minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. The first round of the 2022 postseason is complete. The division series are underway, and we are one week into the Nationals offseason. Welcome into the Masson All Access podcast, everybody. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings coming at you live from the Masson Web Studio. Hopefully, you're joining us on this Wednesday morning on Masson Nationals Facebook page or YouTube channel. But if you're checking us out after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, that's obviously great as well thank you for joining us it was an exciting weekend of baseball i know the nationals were not playing baseball but it was still an exciting wild card weekend for uh mlb and it was also exciting because we were celebrating a birthday this weekend happy birthday amy jennings thank you a whole quarter of a century old now welcome (laughs) welcome um so i guess it's kind of a big one right 25 yeah Yeah, absolutely a big one so I, i think i like having 25 is more exciting than 20 yeah, for sure. Because 20, you're still like not of legal drinking yeah. age and like you're in college and it's like, oh, uh, what's so the difference? Close, yeah. yeah. And then 25, you're like, dang, I'm like halfway yeah. to 50. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. I'm getting old. Well, not, just remember, I'll always be older. That is true. <laughs> you're not so quite, I can't say that. <laughs> you're not quite 30 yet. Um, so what were the celebrations like this weekend? It is nice. I mean, I know we wish we were covering postseason baseball, but it is nice to celebrate your birthday during the off season. Yeah, it is. It's exciting. It's always like hits right around like the first week, week of playoff baseball. So that makes it really exciting. I got to go home and spend it with my family. Uh, I went to my favorite restaurant. I've been there like every year for my birthday since I was little. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. So it was fun. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I saw, was that the, that the picture with you in a sombrero? Yes. Yeah, and they I like smashed whipped cream in my face. Yeah. Um, Is that it? I don't think it's a thing. Okay. Cause I think they were just being a little crazy. Yeah. I'm from a Latino family and I usually, my birthday of choice is always my favorite Mexican restaurant as well. Yeah. And I've never had whipped cream smashed yeah, in my face. I think they just feel maybe since I've been going there since I was little, a little too comfortable. Okay. I was like, <laughs> you probably shouldn't do that to like oh, everybody. Oh, Amy's here. Get yeah. the whipped cream ready. Yeah. <laughs> but it made it fun. Yeah. A little exciting. Fun. That's and cool. then baseball this weekend was just crazy. crazy. Right? Yeah. That Astros game yesterday. Did you watch that? No, I watched I. You know what? Yesterday was actually a very relaxing day. We had great weather. I had the windows open in the house on the couch prepping for the pod and watched pretty much all four games. I, I didn't make it through the entire Dodgers game because it was just too late. But After the Yankees game, I was like, I was already like falling asleep. I, I mean, like, you start off, the Braves almost mount their own incredible comeback. They would get within a run in the ninth inning of the Phillies, and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, the Phillies bullpen is going to implode <laughs> again. Um, and then the second game, was the Astros game, and you switch over, and you're, what, it was like the fifth inning when I switched over already, or fourth, and Mariners had a huge lead. It was like 7-3. Mm-hmm. 7-3. Mm-hmm. And wow. I mean, you kind of felt that coming, right? I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, and I think, I forget who the broadcast, sorry for getting the name of the broadcaster on uh, the TBS broadcast for that game, but he was, as soon as it got to the bottom of the ninth inning, he was like, you do not Don't want, want Alvarez you do not yeah. want him getting to the plate, so just get your three outs before that, and sure enough, he stepped up like and crushed that like three times, yep. and there we went. And crushed that three-run home run. It was really cool. I mean, I know we cover the Nationals, but here at Masson, obviously, we work a lot with the Orioles as well, and it was really cool to see Trey Mancini celebrate that i mean how can you not like trey mancini i know he's not like a starter on for the astros but he's now on you know on a winning club that has a chance to go deep in the playoffs and you could see the excitement in his eyes i that's when i was like all right where's trey where's trey you see him jump over the (laughs) railing and then so that was really cool i mean that's poor mariners man i mean the mariners are an easy team to root for julio rodriguez is having a and like a randy a rosarina like right you know debut in the postseason like you and then they, let's say they win yesterday you're up one game you have luis castillo going in yeah oh i, I was oh. thinking if if the mariners lose this in four that game one is going to haunt them oh for sure because then if you then you would be tied going to well who knows game five but if they if they only win one game the rest of the way, and they, they could have had two and forced the game five. But who knows? I mean, maybe they yeah, pull you off. Yeah, it's one game. I know right. we're so but, quick to be like, but it does make a difference, especially a loss like that. Like, it, yeah. they didn't just lose. Like, that's kind of a heartbreaker, you Yeah, know? and the trick part, I and, mean, you know, they're a, they're a young team. Um, and it was, it was weird. It was like a veteran and Robbie Ray who gave up the home run. But, you know, it, how do you bounce back? I mean, I know they have the day. It's, the schedule is so weird. The American League is off today, but the National League. So they have a – that may be the worst part is that they have a day off to think about it right. before coming back and playing Thursday night. Um, and then, yeah, you get to the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees flex their muscle. Garrett Cole shoved, like, you know, the 
300-plus million-dollar pitcher he is and, and how he should. Um, Cleveland scored first but then just didn't have any power coming back against Cole. And then late night, uh, I, Trey Turner, former national, hitting a home run in the first inning. Juan Soto scoring a run, I believe. Josh Bell getting on base a couple of times. But the Dodgers just showed why they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball. Yeah, before we get, get on to the Nationals, so is, are we rooting for the Padres? Like, do we want the Padres to win because we have Josh Bell and Juan Soto? I wrote about this on MassSports.com last week. Um, a couple of articles about one oh, yeah, check that being out. the one. It, it, is the new format favoring the younger, uh, younger, slower seeds. Yes. Um, and then also, who are Nationals fans rooting for? Because with this expanded playoff, you have six teams now, and three of them are National League East teams. Right. So rivals. And, you, I mean, I would have to imagine Nationals are not rooting for the Braves, the Phillies. Phillies. Mets are already out. So that was probably fun to celebrate as mm-hmm. Nationals fans. But then again, you know, you might be rooting for Max Scherzer to get another ring. Um, you might be rooting for... Probably not, but you might. You know, there might be some people who still Trey Turner. Well, I was gonna say Bryce Harper with the Phillies, and um, maybe Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber's only here for six months, so the loyalty might not be there as strong. But I mean, there are some people who still, you know, I, you know, you don't root for him when he's with the Phillies, but still like Bryce Harper, and that's fine. You know, he was yeah, yeah. obviously here for a long time, and then yes, Trey Turner with the Dodgers, obviously Juan Soto and Josh Bell with the Padres. I think for me personally, sense. I think. The Padres are the easy team to root for if you're a Nationals fan in the National League. Right. And then if you look at the American League, you're probably you're not dusty, rooting. Dusty, I guess you could have some, uh, but I it's the about Astros. Dusty. I, we, about I feel dusty. like we have this conversation all the time. It's yeah. like, see, I didn't even mention Dusty in my article. I forgot about Dusty. Yeah. The Dusty factor. Yeah. I would def. I definitely root for Dusty, but I understand why Nats fans and baseball fans in general don't root for the Astros yeah. anymore. And then of course, you know, the Yankees. If you're not a Yankees fan, no one likes the Evil Empire. Right. So. And then the rest of the American League team, it's kind of like, well, you know, the Nationals never play the Guardians or the Mariners, so it's like, who, who really right. – can't really root against them. So I, I would say – Probably the – But a lot of – so a lot of comments I got back were, I thought, hands down, the Padres, because people want to root for Juan Soto and Josh Bell oh, more okay. than the Dodgers. I'm not, nothing against Trey Turner, but it's hard to root for the Dodgers. They're basically the Yankees right. of the NL. Um, <laughs> and – but a lot of people said, like, it would be hard for them to see – especially Juan, win another championship in a non-Nationals uniform that it's still pretty fresh and raw. Oh. And I kind of get that. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess I get it. Yeah, so maybe give it a couple of years. But he was years. traded, so it's like Right, that and that's what I, I mentioned that too. It's like, it, it wasn't like... It's like he, yeah. It's not like he asked to get traded. Yeah, or, or, or traded. yeah, that's maybe the big difference in the Bryce Harper situation. Like, Bryce Harper yeah. left. Now, granted, we talked about this. He, he took the better deal with the Phillies. Can't blame him for that, but he did leave. He right. chose to leave. Juan Soto didn't have a choice, and he was traded. So, but I get it. You know, you don't want to see the it guy that won you a World Series, and then was supposed to represent your team for the next, you know, fifteen plus years, go win another one so soon. I know they go there, they win team. it, and it's like, well, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, that was pretty easy. Yeah. Clearly, he's a generational talent. Yeah, that's man. If Juan Soto goes on to win the World Series with the Padres, and they're down one nothing to the Dodgers right now, but it goes on as like World Series MVP, it is first that could be years. very tough to swallow for for Nationals fans and, and handle because that'd be like, oh my gosh, he is such a good player. Yeah, in October too. I mean, we saw him in 2019. Have a great October and, and the world's. I mean, if it wasn't for Steven Strasburg, he might have been the World Series MVP. Yeah, in and it seems like he's turning it up a little bit. I mean, we right. know he went there and he struggled uh, down the stretch, but it seems like since the playoffs that he's tr- starting to do heat up a little bit. Right. So. Yeah. Well, well, see, it's exciting. It is exciting. We've got postseason baseball. Like I said, no Nationals baseball. Um, so you know, we're still kind of like a, we're only a week into this off season, right? And there's not a lot going on right now. Not a lot's right. going to happen until the end of the World Series. MLB doesn't like other teams making big announcements, headlines, taking eyes away from the postseason. Understandably mm-hmm. so. You'll see a couple of minor transactions along the way, you know, some waiver claims, some DFAs. Um, but there haven't even been, like, managerial hires just yet, and, you know. So they're going to probably wait for, like, an off day of playoff games to do that. So there's not much to discuss right now. So we're kind of in that let's do the classic offseason bit mode. <laughs> right. Like where, like, you know, last pick. week we talked about more big picture overall view of the 2022 season, what it means moving forward. A lot of it tying to the ownership situation this week. We're going to kind of narrow it down um, and, and hand out player grade. That's a very off season type bit. But like I said, 
you know, for the next couple of weeks, we don't really have much, too much. Because then you have to look back. You right. Know? Yeah. But then also we'll have stuff to talk about because this will be a normal off season. We'll have non-tender deadlines. We'll have winter the meetings, de- winter meetings, the deadline to protect players from the 40 um, on the 40 man roster to protect from the rule five draft. Um, you know, we'll have arbitration cases. Free agency opens up 10 days after sure. the World Series. So that will be obviously more off season in depth off season content we're doing kind of the basic like let's just wrap up the 2022 season while the postseason carries on finishes out so we're gonna do player we're gonna hand out player grades we're gonna split this up into two parts we'll do position players this week next week we'll do pitchers both rotation and bullpen we're gonna do about eight players each um kind of the way i broke it down or we broke it down and the players that we you know we can't do the full 26-man roster um that will be a two-hour podcast right you know People have to and go. our producer Tim Linder has to golf. He has to go golfing <laughs> today. He's got a tea time. Um, I've got my bachelor party this weekend. You got things to do. We've got we gotta get out Wait, of here. this weekend's your bachelor party? Yes, I leave. That's why I can't do. That's why we couldn't do it tomorrow. <laughs> so that's why we were doing this Wednesday morning pod. Um, yeah, it's a lot of man. Uh, this fall is going crazy. Um, so <laughs> sorry. I keep no, no, you're fine. The uh, caveat for how we pick these players is you're either a young player that. You know, obviously, he's going to be here for the long term, and we're looking to see how you did. Or you're a veteran that is also going to be here for the long term, but yeah. you, even though you might not be a part of like the plan, right. that, you know, the the rebuilding plan. Um, and then also, us, we're we're going to add Nelson Cruz to that because you, you know, I mean, obviously, we need to talk about it. I, we need to talk about Nelson Cruz. Also, you know. The veteran status that he has, I think right. he deserves it. I think he earned, you know, at least some time in there. And and also with the the DH being in the National League full time for the first, you know, this is the first year, right? Yeah. So I think he was the first full time DH for the Nationals. I think he deserves to be talked about. Right. So like we're not going to be talking too much about your Cesar Hernandez is your Ildemar Vargas is right. Yadiel Hernandez because he ended the season on the IL. Um, so the eight, actually, it's nine players we're talking about today. So we'll go around the diamond. We'll do at, at catcher, we'll do K Bear Ruiz and Riley Adams. First base, we'll do Luke Voigt and Joey Manessis. Infield, we'll do Luis Garcia and CJ Abrams. And outfield, Lane Thomas and Victor Robles. And then DH Nelson Cruz to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do pitchers next week uh, four starters, four relievers. Um, maybe add someone else if we feel like they're necessary to talk about. But. Comment along. Uh, we're doing yeah. your normal think back. Then you're in third grade science class. It's A plus through F, um, plus or minuses, or incomplete. If some guys you might feel like we can't give out a final grade to, so we'll give you an incomplete. Um, I think that's all my caveats that I have for how we're doing that's this. Good. Uh, any other th- good explanation? Thank you. Yeah. Any other any other comments on on the rules? I guess of this exercise. I do like this exercise. Um, I know it's, it's like, also sometimes once you talk about it, you change your grade. It's like, well, yeah, well, maybe you're right. You know, so Let's that was kind it. of my, so like, I understand that this is very cliche off season content. Right. But like, I do like this because for, for a couple of reasons, one, I like, it, it starts a conversation. Right. And like you, I mean, you and I are not major league baseball talent scouts. Right. But we spend a lot of time. We watch 162 games, 162 games of these guys. We're around the club. We talk to people around the club. We talk to people who do that for a living, kind of get an idea. And, like, we formulate our own opinions on them. And, like like you said, you know, I might value something that a player does higher than you do exactly, and vice versa. Yeah. And then it also opens up a conversation for fans. So we do want you to comment along if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook this morning uh, just to kind of get how other people see different players, especially. And then my part two is, like, why I like it is because this year more than – ever in a long time it's more about player evaluation than team success exactly because for 10 years the nationals were supposed to be contenders and it was did they make the playoffs yes or no did they make a deep postseason run yes or no did they win the world series yes or no and we more took that as all right this conversation will be more like all right this player did good this player did well but this is where they need to fill holes to make a run next year right and it almost makes it a little bit difficult more difficult to grade them in that sense because it's like you know is it more like are you being easier on them because Mm -hmm. of the season it was and you're looking at their individual growth are you harder because you know that the team wasn't successful um and you know they weren't you know a part of winning so it's makes it a little more difficult but makes it more important i think to look at their individual growth uh, over the season like i said we are not mlb scouts but we're 
this, the exercise we're doing right now is essentially what the Nationals are doing right. as well, too. Like, they're evaluating every single player, and it's more about individual player evaluations than ever before as opposed to the whole overall team success because we knew what kind of season this was going to be. Um, so that being said, let's get started. We'll start. Let's go around the diamond. Um, we'll not obviously not doing pitchers today, so we'll go behind the plate at the two spot. K Bear Ruiz and Riley Adams. Let's start with K Bear. If you remember back at the beginning of the season, Amy, of course, coming into the season, these were your top two catchers, um, and K Bear being your everyday guy. And for a while, he was the one carrying this offset offense. Juan Soto hadn't gotten going yet. Josh Bell was doing pretty well, but Nelson Cruz, we didn't know at the time, was on pace to have a, a pretty you know, underperforming season. Right. So K bear actually was playing really, really, really well. Um, then he kind of fell off a little bit mid season, kind of found his stroke again near the end of the season, but then had that horrible injury yeah. that cut his year short. So looking at K bear season as a whole, how, how, how do you evaluate it? I guess? Well, like you said there at the beginning when you know, Juan Soto hadn't gotten going, Josh Bell hadn't gotten going, he did carry this offense. He fell off a little bit, but then when the Nationals went on their really best run of the season, once Joey Manessis came over, Caber Ruiz was a good part of that. That was their best stretch of the season. And then once Caber got hurt, I think it was like August 8th or whatever, that first week of August, they went on a five-game losing streak, uh, their worst stretch, and everything kind of fell apart. That's when their pitching fell apart. Um, and I think, you know, that just goes to show what a big part that Caber was in that. I mean, their pitching was best over that stretch. I think they went like nine and seven um, over that road trip. They beat the Mets two out of three. Um, they went on that really good stretch. And, you know, some of these pitchers, especially the veterans like Andy Ball Sanchez, just said how far Caber Ruiz had, came, had come um, over this season. And I think that was like the main goal of the season for Caber Ruiz. Like we know that he is going to be the number one catcher of the future. Every day he's behind the plate. Um, he has to get comfortable with these guys, get comfortable calling a game. And I think that was the goal for Caber Ruiz this season. And I think he made really good strides mm -hmm. um, behind the plate defensively. Over his last 19 games, Caber hit 300. Um, so that's including that. So that's including the stretch you were just talking about. And impressive enough, he he walked six times and only struck out six times. So that's a one to one ratio right there. And he hit four doubles and only one home run. But you know when Davey talks about or talked a lot about K Bear's offensive skill set, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about this maybe when we talk about Luis Garcia too. But like he almost has two good bat to ball skills, and like which means like you know that's a good thing. He can hit the ball that are slightly out of the strike zone, but you maybe you, sh you don't always have to have do to that. Swing, right. Because that's sometimes usually going to be a ground out or a, a, a bloop foul ball, whatever it might be. Right. So be a little bit more pitch selective. I think we saw that from K-Bear near the end of the season. His defense behind the plate, going back to like spring training, the concern was he didn't have the arm and because he wasn't throwing runners out. Uh, he didn't really have a quick, you know, I think they call it a pop time. time. Um, yep. So uh, it, that was kind of a concern. And then... He was great when the season started. I think he, at the time he, the season ended in, in September 8th, he was like second to only J2 Romuto and runners thrown out across the major leagues. And then he had that really good rapport with Josh Bell at first base. They threw right. off that pickoff at first a couple of times, won them a game in Cincinnati, I remember. Uh -huh. So his defense improved a lot and, and took a step forward, I think, even though his offense was kind of, you, you know, ups and downs throughout the course of the season. I'm going to give K-Bear... A solid B on the year um, you know I, the injury doesn't help the the offensive lull in the middle of the season doesn't help but given that this was his first full major league season navigating a mixed veteran and young pitching staff at times being the one offensive power I, I think this was a good start and that's a solid grade to give a, a your starting catcher for years to come Hopefully he's healthy going into next year and can continue that and take an even bigger step forward. Yeah, that I give him a B as well because you also have to like add in the fact that he saw so many pitchers right. and so many of them had terrible seasons. Um, and that's not easy, you know, to cycle through all of these guys. And not to mention, he was really, you know, Riley Adams got sent down to AAA you know, it was like a Trace Pereira as your backup. And, you know, we saw s some other guys, but Caber Ruiz, like, the spotlight was on Caber, you know, that you didn't, you know, you 
get, have that day off. Plus, he was catching a ton of games in a row, right. um, which I think is was probably really good experience being a young guy. You were a little bit worried maybe they were pushing him a little too much, um, but he wanted to get back there. He wanted to learn, and that's the main thing. So I gave him a solid B, too. A lot of room to grow. That offensive you know, downfall like in July – uh, okay, we have to factor that in and, you know, ending the season on, on the injured list as well. But he stuck around. He was still in the video room, Mike Rizzo said, um, still meeting with pitchers even when he was hurt. So a solid B. He made progress. I think he's really turning into what the Nationals hope he could be as their number one catcher. Yeah, and if he – I mean, that also freak incident – I mean, I know I say a lot that, you know, your best ability is availability, but, you know, that was a freak accident as a catcher. And also he got – beat up this year behind the plate like how many that poor guy even Davey said you know like that's why he's good at throwing because he gets so close but that also opens him up to getting hit a lot of foul tips back swings so he got a little bit beat up so maybe they can find some adjustment for that for his offseason um so solid B's for K-Bear let's move on to his backup Riley Adams you mentioned him briefly right there um came in the season as the backup that's that's a good one-two tandem of young catchers I think they they brought in last trade deadline um you mentioned him having to go down he spent a good amount of time at triple a this season the while the nationals instead brought tris Brer. now the plus on that side was that riley was playing every day at triple a uh at catcher got some reps at first base as well but the downside is is that he wasn't at the major league level and you know i, I i'm viewing this through the lens of riley is the backup right so like you i'm kind of grading him differently than as K-Bear. I would K-Bear. Mm-hmm. I would give K-Bear a little more pressure, grade him harsher than, than Riley Adams. But I still think, I, I, I thought that we would see a little bit more pop from Riley. I thought that he, he did do okay defensively, I think. He's just, just a bigger guy, so sometimes he didn't throw a lot of base runners out. I think I caught stealing a bunch, especially late when he took over full-time catching duties when K-Bear went down. Um I think overall, the main thing for me is that the time spent at Triple at A Rochester. I think that's why I can't give him anything higher than like a C. Yeah, I gave him a C because Riley just didn't hit. Like you couldn't really put him behind the plate every day, or certainly, or even as a backup to Kaber because he's just not hitting. I mean, he hit, he hit and played 21 games in the final month of the season once he came back. He had 10 hits. He hit 156 Mm. uh, with just two home runs. You thought you would see a little bit more power out of him, which wasn't a whole lot better than he did through the month of June before he got sent down to AAA. To his defense, I don't think that, like, is he going to be your backup catcher? I think that's something that the organization has to decide because, Mm. I mean, I understand, like, Maybe first base is an option. They just wanted to get him some work there. But, like, if you're going to commit to Riley, commit to Riley being your backup catcher, like, he needs to be your backup catcher. Like, I feel like at AAA, you can't be like, uh, maybe we'll play around. He'll play some outfield or maybe some first base. Like, um, that's fine for some guys. But if you're going to commit to that, he has to be your backup catcher. Yeah. And he needs to be catching. Um, I understand you want that as an option. And, you know, once they traded Josh Bell away, it became even more, like, prevalent, like, we're going to need a backup first baseman or a first baseman at all before we knew Luke Voigt was coming. Uh, But I think it just comes down to the offense. You know, you can get away with his his defense behind the plate, but he has to hit, and he just didn't this season. Um, Spent time in AAA, so I'm going to give him a solid C. Yeah, yeah, you know, he does have to hit. um, You know, you're plugging. You don't want that one off day or I guess one to two off days a week when K-Bear can't catch to just be a complete absence of offensive production in that spot in the lineup right so yes you're right he does have to hit um he hit slightly better at triple a 224 um and about half the games and only one less home run and more rbis than he did in 48 games in the major leagues um i I, so like like i said comparing to caber the bar isn't as high for him so like i think it's easier for him to go to c to a than it would be for like K Burf to go to B to A. Does that make that's sense? True. I because think, yeah, like I think that's you're fair. just looking for a modest improvement from your backup catch. You know, we're not talking about like hitting three hundred and twenty plus home runs and, you know, fifty plus RBIs. Get to like ten to fifteen homers. Hit above two forty, two fifty ish in your limited action. That's enough production over what, fifty games a year from your backup catcher where you can be like, that's an A Backup right, like you're never expecting him. Like, 
Kiba Ruiz, I think you can expect to be a middle of the order back right. one day, right? Mm -hmm. Like Riley Adams, I'm never expecting that out right. of them. But just like some sort of production and something at least to give your pitchers a little confidence that when Riley's behind the plate, you know, it's not a whole different world. Right. So I, I think it's an easier jump for a backup catcher to be like, hey, this is an A graded backup catcher than it would be for K Bear to go, all right, no, he's an A all star caliber right. starting catcher. So Riley does have some room for improvement, yes, but I think he can make that step. And you know, like you mentioned, the first base, maybe this time next year we're talking about him being the backup first baseman instead. Right. I mean, and, and Luke Voigt is just being the everyday DH. So um, we'll see. But let's move up the baseline then to first base since I brought it up. Look at that transition. Um, Want to start? Let's start with Luke Voigt. Uh, let's give the veteran um, the go ahead, the right of way. Uh, you know, I, I know it was tough for Luke Voigt to come over here the way that he did. Uh, you go from a team that's now currently playing in the NLDS to a team that finished with the worst record in baseball, 107 losses. He wasn't even the original first baseman included in that trade. There wasn't supposed to be a first baseman included in that trade until the Nationals included Josh Bell and was like, we need a first baseman back. Uh, and then he, you know, had he didn't have the right way to to deny that or to block that trade so here he is so i know that's understandable but he handled it like a pro uh, he was very influential in that clubhouse i know uh, davy really appreciated the uh the way that he mentored the young kids i will never forget that scene oh, i forget who they're playing but he like talked to he hit a home run and then he was talking to Lane Thomas as he was coming into the dugout. And then two batters later, Lane hit a, like the game tying home run. I think oh, they I end up, that. it was late in the season, obviously, but I don't <laughs> remember who they were playing. I think they ended up actually losing that game, but that was a cool moment where you can see right. the camera caught him talking to Lane and then Lane was able to do the same thing. And so that kind of influence, I think, carries a lot of weight, especially when you're talking about a veteran guy like Luke Voigt. I mean, the numbers aren't going to jump off the page. He was only here for a limited amount of time, but I think it was significant the way the, he impacted this team over the last two months. And I think what was frustrating to see is how frustrated he was. Like there for a little stretch where he'd go a couple games, couldn't get a hit, he was just frustrated. And then he'd have a big home run, they interview him after the game and he's like, well, I need that. Like that's what we should expect, right? Uh, so it was kind of aggravating to see him frustrated. Um, I think the defense at first base is what we expected. Like, I don't think anybody expected a whole lot of uh, Luke Voigt defensively if you had seen him, you know, previously with New York or, or with San Diego. Like, you didn't expect a lot out of his defense, and that's why Joey Manessis finished the season at first base and Luke Voigt moved to DH. Um, but if he can continue with that veteran presence, um, get the bat going a little bit more, hopefully to start next season, uh, then I think Luke Voigt could potentially be your DH next season. But Go ahead. No, no. So I guess, are we grading Luke Voigt the first baseman or Luke Voigt the DH? I'm going to say Luke. Well, I don't know if it'll change my grade that much just because I don't know how high the expectations were for his defense at okay. first base. That's fair. But I do think it's – go ahead. Or, what, what, or, what do you or, think? Or, or all-encompassing. All I don't think it'll make. I'll do all encompassing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, then let's me. just do all encompassing. Then I, I'll I'll go B plus. Okay. Um, I, I'm I'm maybe putting too much weight on the veteran the, the, the veteran presence part of it. Yeah, yeah, the mentoring part. Because again, I I do. I mean, I was there when he gave his first like chat with the media as a member of the Nationals, and you could tell. I mean, he was a little bummed, but he understood, and he. That's not easy for a guy who is used to playing on competitive teams to then come and he's going to be here for a while. Like his contract says he's going to be here for at least another two years. So it's not like, well, he's a free agent at the end of the offseason. and he can go sign with another contender. Yeah. No, he's going to be stuck with this rebuilding team for two more years unless they can figure out a trade partner for him next trade deadline or the year after. Um, so I think that's tough for him. I may be putting too much weight on that. I think you're right. The defensive production was w what we expected and that's okay especially since Joey Manessis eventually took over. Um, him moving to DH definitely helped him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And if you look at his overall, if you combine his numbers between the Padres and the Nationals, he hit 22 home runs and 226. I mean, that's not, he's not going to hit for average um, and 69 RBIs. I mean, I think that's qualifies as like B production over the course of a, I mean, he also wasn't getting everyday playing time in San Diego. Right. So if you expand that over, a regular 162 game season as the starter he's playing if he's healthy like 150 ish you know you might get like closer to 30 home runs from him i i think that would be qualified so if he's on this track 
I think that's a, that's Let's B plus. See. I'm gonna give him a B minus. Okay. I think. Um, but he, I mean, yeah, he has to hit for power. That's gonna be his game, right? Yeah. Um, and especially if he's gonna be the Nationals' everyday DH, that's what we didn't get out of Nelson Cruz, and we'll get to him here in a minute. Um, but he has to hit for more power. You know, he's not gonna hit for average a ton. Um, but hopefully, you know, once he plays a full season here, you're gonna see that you know, over a longer stretch. I'm going to go B minus okay. for Luke Voigt. So in the B range for the both of us, for, for Luke, um, his, I don't want to call him his replacement, but his, his first base companion, Joey Manessis, I don't know. I mean, I think it's A plus for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it could be any other thing, anything other than A plus. What more could you ask out of Joey Manessis? I mean. I think we would have given him an A if he did half of what, what he, he did. did. Right. I mean. He's obviously much better at first base than Luke Voigt is. Has the highest WAR out of any of these guys. He hit 324 with a 930 OPS, 13 home runs, the best production we've seen out of that stretch in a game from a rookie. And yeah, yeah. And I, I know it's not a fair comparison. But He's not a, right over a whole season, but well, well, but like just like the comparison, comparing him to Juan Soto. As a rookie. after the trade, no, oh, after the trade, oh, yeah. and like he was better than Juan. I mean, I like, know that's not a fair, but like it's still like. Wow, I mean, and I also think like, if you're looking for a negative or something to like, you know, just to play devil's advocate, the one thing I can think of is like, well, he didn't play the whole season. Well, he wasn't supposed to, you know, like who knew that we would be at this point where they were trading both Juan Soto and Josh Bell in the same deal and needed to bring up this 30 year old minor league journeyman first baseman who then took off 30 years old. Probably, I'd never heard of him. Nope. Like, I mean, we heard of him in, like, oh, this guy, Joey. Oh, Man- yeah, we- he had another hit. Joey wow, Man- okay. Manace. I yeah. didn't even know how to pronounce his last name, <laughs> right. unfortunately. Like, and then he just hits a home run in his first game and then just never stopped hitting. Right. Uh, yeah, it, ha- it can't be anything other and than And you just A-plus. kept saying, like, maybe this is a fluke. Maybe this yeah. won't stick. Maybe this won't stick. And then you got to 50 games, and it's like, no, that's a like good chunk of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't have asked for more out of Joey. I don't think he's going to finish in the top three, but I bet you he gets a handful of my um, uh, rookie of the year votes. You'll maybe finish in that top five. Um, it's just, I, I don't know how you, I mean, he set national rookie records uh, for the amount of time that he played. So right. I think it can't be anything but A plus. A plus. A+. Highest grade for me. No pressure next year, Joey. Um, yeah. So then moving over across the diamond, let's go to second base and we're going to treat Luis Garcia as a second baseman, but I don't think we can completely dismiss the work he did at shortstop. Yeah. Um, overall, look, like we kind of mentioned with uh, K-Bear, like there were times where Luis Garcia was carrying the offense, especially after the trade deadline. Um, and he was their only bat that was producing. Um, he's a very good left-handed bat. A lot of people have compared his style to Juan Soto's. The power is not always going to be there. Maybe never get to the level of Juan Soto, but... His approach is similar, also similar to K-Bears, where he might be too good at bat-to-ball skills, and he needs to be a little more selective at his pitches and, and you know, drive that average and on-base. He never walked. He never walked. Yeah, He like, just did not. He drew, like, what, four walks the entire year? I mean, he just has to be a little more selective at his pitches. Yeah, he walked seven times in the final two months of the season which was huge. I mean, usually that's like, you know, but like that was a really big deal. When he got his first walk, it was like a huge deal. I think Mark Zuckerman Um, read an entire article about about his first walk. Yeah. Big deal for Luis Garcia. And like you mentioned, he's going to make contact and that's a really good thing. But as you mature in your plate approach, you have to be more patient. Um, You have to be more selective in your pitches. And that's something that like when you mentioned there's him and Juan Soto is being similar. It's like that's one thing that Juan Soto is able to do that Luis Garcia hadn't been able to do. But you saw that progress over the season and him improve and be more patient at the plate. And I think that was really good to see. Finish hitting 275 with a 704 OPS. Um, And then defensively, he improved miles and miles yeah. and it mostly came from making that move to second base and you yeah. saw a few hiccups at first but once him and cj abrams got going you saw that these are their positions for the foreseeable future and you like the middle infield you got yeah uh, in, tw- in uh, 33 games at second base luis garcia had a four defensive run saved uh per fan graphs and then you look down as a shortstop um it is not good it's minus 17 yeah like that's a plus 21 difference yeah. for going from shortstop to second base. It was just night and day. 
I, uh, I think we talked about this when they made the move, but like we appreciate the effort. We appreciate the Nationals trying to stick with him and get him to learn, but it's okay if he's just a second baseman. That shortstop position brought their defensive run save ranking down by so miles. Like. So, so much. <laughs> um, so I, it's okay for him to be... And, you know, for a four defensive run save is, like, you know, it's fine. It's, it's not, like, top of the league. It won't be top of the league. But, like, Significantly that's, better than... Well, it's not only that, but it's, like, it's passable. Like, you don't need Luis Garcia to be this gold glove second baseman, infielder. You need his bat to be well, and you, and you need him to make the runs that... Sorry, make the plays he needs to make at second base. And that was, like, the biggest... They were the worst defensive team mm-hmm. in baseball, and that was, like, the main thing is, like, through the season, you wanted to see them improve defensively, and you did see they still what Their defense was still not great, but once you saw Luis Garcia make that move to second base, like, and T.G. Abrams came in at shortstop, things improved significantly. Yeah, so overall, I'm going to... Again, not discounting his work at shortstop. I'm actually going to give Luis a, a B-. minus. Um, I think we do need to work on that... Bat to ball. Like, the offensive production can be there, and he doesn't have to. And Davey mentioned that like, he always trying to hit a home run. He doesn't need to hit a home run. You know, hit doubles, hit right. in the gap, get on base. So that's definitely a part he needs to work on. I, I I really like Luis Garcia's game. I've always have ever since he yeah, came up he in does. 2020. Uh, I just think you know he's still very young, very raw at times. Maybe trying to be too much like Juan. Juan's no longer here. So. Be you, Louie, and, and I think he can do that now at second base full-time and, and maybe being a little more patient. Well, and let's plate. not forget, he started the year in AAA, right. right? And we got to the point where it was like, come on, like, he, I'm, he tired. Come up. I'm tired of seeing these guys play every day. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's see Luis Garcia. Yeah. Um, so I gave him a B-minus as well. So, yeah. you know, you saw the growth, and that's all you need to see over these next few years is them just get better and better and better. Yeah, I know they didn't have another option, really, but, like, if Louie played – you know, if he was more evenly split between his time at short and second base, I probably would have given him like a B, B plus. But because he most of his it's, time was at short. Yeah, that's fair. So it's kind of the way there. Right. Um, so let's go to the next short uh, shortstop. C.J. Abrams, again, small sample size, uh, came over at the trade deadline. I This guy is and, – and I think Mark Zuckerman wrote – about him this morning on MasterSports.com. We're only going through these nine players. If you want more in-depth coverage of each of these guys, Mark is doing one every single day of the entire 28-man roster for the rest of of the month. So check that out. But CJ, I mean, we just talked about a little bit with Louis. Just a drastic improvement defensively at shortstop. His defensive run saved at short wasn't that much better, but it was way better than Louis. It was was minus 4 for CJ, minus 3.2 rating per fan graphs. Uh, but you could just tell, like, you know, young, raw talent that he is going to be a pretty solid shortstop, if not superstar shortstop yeah, in the future. Exactly. I gave C.J. Abrams a B plus. Um, he was a huge upgrade at shortstop. We knew the defensive skills were there. There might have been a few hiccups, um, but he kind of figured some things out, made some growth defensively. Uh, the main concern was his offense, and we saw that he struggled for his first few weeks here. And then things started clicking, things started clicking, and he improved significantly at the plate, became a bigger part of this offense. You saw him move up the lineup. That's what Davey Martinez wanted to see by the end of the season. Um, But he just wanted to get him comfortable for a little bit. The struggles didn't help. But by the end of the season, you were seeing C.J. Abrams, you know, your shorts. Apologies, everyone. We had some technical difficulties with our live stream, but we wanted to finish up our last couple of players in our position player grades for this week's episode. I think, Amy, we got cut off during your thoughts on (laughs) C.J. Abrams and uh, his year as the national shortstop. Yeah, but overall, just wrapping up, I'm going to give C.J. Abrams a B plus. He was a huge upgrade at shortstop. He made um, huge steps at the plate after his struggles to begin the season, Um, and I think that's what you wanted to see out of C.J. Abrams. So I'm going to give him a B plus, um, and I think he's going to be a bright spot on this team for the future. Yeah, I agree with the B plus. He definitely improved the defense at shortstop. I think the metrics show that it wasn't, you know, terrific, but it was definitely an improvement. And he showed flashes that he has the skill set to be at least a above average shortstop, if not possibly an elite shortstop. So I'm going to give him a B plus two. And we saw the back come around late in the season. So I think that's, that's a good sign for CJ moving forward. We got three more players to talk about before we get out of here, going to the outfield lane, Thomas and Victor Robles, Victor Robles, starting with lane. Um, you know, this is a guy who the national member traded for John Lester and got back and we were like, who is this guy? He's just like a minor leaguer in the, in the Cardinal system with limited major league experience. 
Uh, does he fit in the lineup as a leadoff man, bottom of the order kind of bat? He's definitely not middle of the order bat, I don't think. Um, but I think for the production that Lane Thomas put on, he was one of their top guys who finished highest in war at 1.6 per baseball reference, him and Robus and Ildemaro Vargas of the guys who finished the season with the Nationals. Um, and, and for the guy that he is expected to be, I thought he had a really good year. He was the player of the year as voted on by the media. I give Lane Thomas at least an A minus, if not maybe a, just a solid A. Yeah, Lane Thomas, you know, he finished the season last year, came over in that trade and finished the year so strong. And we were like, who is this guy? Yeah. Like, what are we going to get out of him? And going into the season, we didn't really know. I didn't know what to expect out of Lane Thomas. Could he carry over that success um, again this season? He started the season. He struggled a little bit offensively. Um, he ended up playing 25 games in right field, of course, because Juan Soto left in that trade. Um, so we saw him play some some different positions this year. Um, and at the by the end of the year, he was your national of the year. Right. Um, so I'm going to give Lane Thomas, I think, a B plus. OK, uh, just because of his early season struggles. Yeah. Um, but a B plus. He played 146 games uh, of the players that finished the season with the Nationals. He hit 17 home runs, 52 RBIs. Uh, batted 241 with a 705 OPS, um, walked 41 times, struck we'll out a bunch. That. I, that's what I'm saying, right? That's that's kind of my point. Is like if that's Lane Thomas, like I don't know if they brought him here or if we expect Lane to be like, like if you're thinking about the Nationals outfield of the future, you're thinking more like Elijah Green, Robert Hassel III, James right. Wood. Um, Lane might not be a part of that conversation, but he is for right now. And I think if this is Lane, if it, he's your fourth outfielder and you get that from your fourth outfielder, I mean, he probably won't play as many games, but like if you get that kind of production at that rate, I think you absolutely take that. And I think you like always have to go back to the mindset of like, who did you get him for? Right. You know, like yeah. look at what you got. Right. Um, in that. Pains on the dollar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think for what Lane. I think we understand who Lane Thomas is. He shows flashes. He can hit the fastball really hard. If he can adjust to the breaking ball, I mean, he, he'll be even better. That might be his offseason work. But yeah. I, I think for what Lane Thomas is and was brought in to do, and like you said, who they traded for, <laughs> I, I think you you take that. I mean, that that is a bright spot on this roster for Lane, um, and, and good for him. I, I think that's an A- minus for what he is supposed to be. Victor Robles, on the oh, other Victor. hand, not so much. Um he shockingly spent the entire season with the major league club. Uh, I think there were at times we thought he might get sent down again. Uh, maybe even traded. I think they were maybe hoping someone would take a chance on him. Maybe a speedster and good outfielder, uh, 132 games. He only hit two, uh, triples, 10 doubles, six home runs <laughs> for 33 RBIs, um, swiped 15 bags, but hit 224 with an OPS well below 600. Um, the defense was was good. There were some boneheaded mistakes, both in the outfield and on the base paths. The base, I think the base running was the worst. The like, worst. Oh, Victor. Oh, Victor. Oh, Victor. But his 224 average was the best. He's this is the highest average for since the World Series. Right. So at least yeah. that. But at this point, I think it's almost like, I think we, we kind of know what to expect out of Victor Robles. Like, mm -hmm. I think we're over that thing where it was like, Victor and Juan, our future, you know, our outfield of the future. You right. know, they had such high expectations for Victor Robles. And he performed, you know, and the, you know, in 2019, the year of the World Series. But it's been downhill ever since. I think we're past that point of, you know, maybe this is the year Victor finally gets it together. So I think that almost helps me grade him not as harshly. Oh, okay. As I would have. Yeah. So you're basically saying I'm 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 taking a step back yeah. on Victor overall, and therefore I don't need to put too much emphasis on, on his grading. Right. I'm still gonna give him a C plus. I think. Okay. So kind of like my. So it's almost like the opposite of. Well, no. I guess it's the same idea. Me. My my theory on not theory. My my reasoning on Lane Thomas. Where it's like I, this is not who we thought. This is the Victor Robles we. And if that's the Victor right. Robles we're getting, then that's how I'm going to grade mm -hmm. him. Not with all this high expectations of a four-war number one overall prospect. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned Lane Thomas's baseball reference war. Victor's was 1.8, which was the highest on the team of the players <laughs> that finished on the roster. I think that has a lot. I don't think. I know that has a lot to do about his defensive output. Right. If you then go over to Fangraphs, 
He has a 1.8 um, arm rating, and, and we know he had a strong arm. It's just that sometimes that arm rating is too good, and he would just make a, the bonehead mistake of, like, you know, instead of just throwing into the infield, he flies it to the backstop, right. and, you know, two runners Hit advance. Hit the cutoff! Yeah. Um, but he was one of their highest, Raiders def- uh, highest rated defenders. He had a 12 defensive run saves and a 4 defensive rating per fan graphs and center field, 128 games. Um, I mean, that's... That's that, what's going to save Victor for right. his whole career is going to be his defense. Yeah. So what was your final grade? C plus, I think. C plus. So, you see, and this, uh, like I said at the top of the show, this might, maybe a B? Hmm. Well, I was going to give him a poor grade. Like, I was going to go in the D range. But your point of being like, no, this is who Victor is now. So, you don't have to grade him as harshly. Kind of, this is why I like having these conversations. Because that that makes me think, oh, if I did it for Lane, and if I did it for Luke Voigt, and if I did it for Luis Garcia, then I should probably do it for Victor. I think that's fair. And so I'll bump him up to a, a C minus. Okay. I'll bump. I, I had him at I like a D because like again I was thinking of like Victor. Like you, this was the year you had to take over and be the center right. fielder of the future, and it just didn't happen. But if we're already kind of admitting that he's not going to be that, then I can give him a little better grade, knowing that this is who he is. Yes, right. C minus. Okay, I think that's fair. Yeah. Last but not least, the one and only Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz. And this is like. <laughs> An unfortunate topic because this is nothing against Nelson Cruz. It's just this is not what the Nationals signed up for, uh, and this is not what he signed up for, right? Like he, he, we understood that he signed up with the Nationals in spring training, with the idea that you know he would become a trade chip by August and be sent to a contender looking for a power bat and get one more shot uh, at chasing a ring, um, and it just did not pan out that way. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I think I said like last week is like who would have thought that Nelson Cruz would only hit 10 home runs, 64 RBIs, and hit 234 over 124 games with the Nationals this year. And, and like, you needed him to have, like, a little bit of a better season than he had last. And But, like, he just – he had one job. Yeah, but at this point, I think you would take what he had last year. Like, that would have been oh, much more yeah. improvement. I mean, oh, he yeah. just got traded last year. Absolutely, yeah. But <sighs> – he just didn't do his job. He had one no. job. Um, you needed to be the everyday DH. You didn't have to go out there and play defense. You just had to hit. You had to hit home runs. He only had 10. He didn't do his job. I'm going to give Nelson Cruz the lowest grade out of these guys. And it, we're, we're going to go in the D. A D. Yeah. I, I think. Um, he failed. I think it's a failure. I think it's an F. F. Uh, I mean, I just. And this is not Boo. entirely on Nelson Cruz. Again, I feel no. bad for him. But, like, you know, the Nationals and he signed up for. X, they got Y, y. and Y <laughs> is bad in this case. Um, and it didn't work out for either of them. The Nationals owed a lot of money to a guy who did not hit a lot of home runs for them, who they couldn't even flip, and he didn't get to go to a contender. And then also, I mean, he had a lot of ailments that kept him out of games this year. I mean, I, he ended up playing 124, but he missed time with a back thing he a neck injury uh he was sick in miami one time it's uh, true and then he ended the season with that eye infection that you know and i'm not even sure how long that went on before it was almost right. like we're gonna leave you you know yeah uh, well I, I know davey wanted to get him in there just to like, just give him a proper yeah. send-off if, if this is it but he couldn't see pitches and the worst <laughs> and the worst part about it all is like it's the contract yeah, like, it's it the, just looks so bad now. Yeah, over ten million dollars. Which again, not he didn't write the check, you know. Well, right, and that's you why know? I'm saying, like overall, for both Nationals and Nelson Cruz, this was a failure. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. just didn't work out for either yeah. party, um, and that's. I I'll that's, give you know to your first point when we started this conversation okay. with Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. I will give him at least some credit for being the veteran presence. Absolutely, like Nelson Cruz helped this okay. clubhouse. Then that's correct. So then in that case, I'll bump it up to a D. D. Like bad, didn't produce on the field, didn't do his job. He had one job, didn't do it. But he did provide a presence in the clubhouse that, you know, he is the veteran player on this team. A lot of guys looked up to him. And I think he helped. I think that's a very good point, especially since I I did mention that about Luke Voigt. Mm -hmm. It's not fair to mention about him and then not Nelson Cruz. So I'll split it up. Production-wise, Nelson Cruz was a failure, but... (laughs) 
influential wise, his clubhouse influence and leadership, that was an A. Uh, because even when he was hurt and not playing, even when he was dealing with his eye issue, he was still, still chatting with guys in the yeah. cage, pointing out things, watching video. You know, he could have airmailed it and be like, "All right, I'm looking for the offseason. I'm gonna yeah, forget get, this. Get, yeah, I'm getting you know, paid. <laughs> I'm getting paid, and I want to, you know, try to get my body right so I can make another run at the age of 44 next year." He didn't do that. You know, he he understood the assignment, and and he was very. And a lot of guys went out of their way when talking late in the season, being like, "Well, who do you look up to?" And almost everyone pointed to Nelson Cruz. Yeah. And like, it's not Nelson Cruz saying like, "Oh yeah, I'm helping out guys." I know it's guys being like, "No, he's helping us out." Right. So. I think that's a lot. And again, this was nothing against him as the person. I, I think he's one of the most well-liked players in all of baseball for, for sure. the past, his entire career. Yeah. Such a nice guy. Uh, very easy to talk to. And obviously very helpful with these young players. And, and Davey mentioned late in the season that he was one of the guys that was like basically like a second manager in that clubhouse and, and coach and teacher. Right. Um, and so, and Davey even said he learned from Nelson Cruz this year. So there you're you right. I'll, I'll split them up as as a, a player, Nelson Cruz was uh, a, a failure. Yeah. As a mentor, he was an A. That bumps his overall grade up. I'm not going to give him a C. I'll give him a D. D. Fair. Yeah. I, I like that's it. Fair. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the position player grades for uh, the 2022 season. Again, apologies for the technical difficulties. If you were watching on Mass National's Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can catch the first 40-ish minutes of this pod on those two platforms, if you'd like to watch us and see our beautiful faces. If not, <laughs> here is the entire pod on the podcast. We appreciate you listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get po- podcasts. You can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Please hit subscribe, like, comment, hit that notification button. We are a little more flexible this off season in terms of timing of mm-hmm. our pods. It all depends on our schedule and the rest of our staff schedule. We appreciate Tim Leonard coming in on a day where he's got a nice tea time (laughs) on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon in the district um, producing this pod. So hit notifications on Facebook and YouTube so you get a a, a buzz when we go live every single week. We'll be back next week handing out grades for the pitchers, rotation, and uh, bullpen alike. Uh, before we get into some more off-season stuff as the postseason carries on. At Amy Jennings News, for Amy on Twitter, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco, at Mass Nationals across the board on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies once again, and we'll see you next week.